Jesus a praise that is to his name. Come on, you can do better than that. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus. Oh, look at that. Even my water bottle said, oh, let me recognize. All right, thank you. Somebody's like, why, why, why is he taking his jacket? Is he cold? Is he getting old where he gets cold right away? No, no, no. There's a reason. You'll see why in a bit. Uh, but uh, welcome to Palm Sunday. Isn't it great to be in God's house to celebrate this day? And as we've already noted both on the screen and it's been referenced from the beginning of this service, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. And today I want to focus on that passage in Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11 that speak about the, what's traditionally called the triumphant entry of Jesus on that Palm Sunday. Now, when I went to Israel, the guy that was leading us from the side of the Mount of Olives, he was telling us the, of the Eastern Gate, the Eastern Gate and the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And he noted and he pointed out to us that the Eastern Gate, it is closed. It is sealed right now. It is closed and sealed right now. But here's the thing. When Jesus went into what traditionally has been called the triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, it was not going to end in the natural so triumphantly. Because that at the end of that week, he would be crucified. He would be crucified on a cross. And it didn't look so triumphant. And the way he came in wasn't in a loud and proud manner. And we're going to note how he came in. But here's the thing that you and I need to know. That the same Jesus that came then is coming back. And the next time he comes, he's not coming on a colt of a donkey. But he is coming on a white horse. And that eastern gate that was pointed out to me, that is sealed and closed right now. Jesus is going to enter into that eastern gate on that white horse. Why? Because he's the one that opens doors that no man can shut. And even though it's closed now, he's going to come and it's going to be reopened because he's able to open what man has tried to shut. And I want you to know today, I don't know what seems to be closed before you, but your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has the power to open a door that no man can shut. Come on. And so I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. It reads, Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied. And a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, 
a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. One of my favorite Bible teachers, the late Dr. Warren Wiersbe, stated the following, If Jesus had entered into one of our modern cities leading the parade, he would have been arrested immediately. He would be a wanted man. The FDA would want him for turning water into wine without a license. The EPA for killing fig trees. Uh, the MAMA for practicing medicine without a license. The Department of Health for asking people to open graves, for raising the dead, and for feeding 5,000 people in the wilderness without a food permit. The NEA for teaching without a certificate. OSHA for walking on water without a life jacket. The SPCA for draw, driving hogs into the sea. The National Board of Psychiatrists for giving advice on how to live a guilt free life. The NOW for not choosing a woman disciple. The abortion rights leagues for saying that whoever harms children, it is better that they had never been born. The interfaith movement for condemning all other religions and by the zoning department for building mansions without a permit. Jesus would be a wanted man today. Well, let me tell you, he was a wanted man on this day over 2,000 years ago. While the crowd was praising him, the religious leaders were plotting to kill him. Now back to the content contained in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. I want us to look at three things that are found or revealed in this biblical account. The first of which is this. The Creator working in partnership with His creation. The Creator working in partnership or in tandem with His creation. You'll note that in this passage we find that Jesus directed a couple of His disciples to go and retrieve a donkey and her coat. Why? Because the Creator was going to work in partnership with His creation. J. Lyle's story writes or points out 
that Matthew speaks of two animals, whereas the other evangelist, Mark, Luke, and John, reference only the coat upon which Jesus actually sat. Mark tells us that the coat had never been ridden in Mark 11.2. Thus, he points out, the mother was probably brought to help control the coat as Jesus rode on it. Now, notice this, because this is an important part in what this passage is revealing. The coat was Jesus' mode of transportation in fulfilling His mission. The coat was Jesus' mode of transportation in fulfilling His mission. Now, if you are a Christ follower, if you are a child of God, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you are Jesus' mode of transportation in fulfilling His mission. Child of God, you were not only made on purpose, you were made for a purpose. You were not only saved on purpose, you were saved for a purpose. Just like Jesus worked through that cult to carry out His mission, He wants to work through you. He wants to partner with you to fulfill His mission on the earth. Just like Jesus used that coat in order to advance the fulfillment of His kingdom purpose, Jesus wants to work with you to fulfill the advancement and progress of His kingdom purpose on the earth. You were saved on purpose for a purpose. I shared yesterday with one of our PW crew members concerning a pastor in New York by the name of Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson pastors an inner city church in New York City. His mission field is a very violent place. He himself has been stabbed more than once as he's ministered to the people of his community surrounding the church. Once there was a Puerto Rican woman who became involved in the church and was led to Christ. After her conversion, she came to Pastor Wilson and said, I want to do something to help with the church's ministry. He asked her what her talents were, and she could think of nothing. She couldn't even speak proper English, but she did love children. So, he put her on one of the church's buses that went into neighborhoods and transported kids to church. Every week, she performed her duties. She would find the worst-looking kid on the bus, put him on her lap, and whisper over and over the only words that she knew and had learned in English, I love you. Jesus loves you. After several months, she became attached to one little boy in particular. The boy didn't speak. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on the woman's lap, but he never made a sound. Each week, she would tell him on the way to Sunday school and all the way home, I love you and Jesus loves you. One day, to her amazement, 
The little boy turned around and stammered, I I love you too. Then he put his arms around her and gave her a big hug. That was at 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon. At 6.30 that night, he was found dead. His own mother had beaten him to death and thrown his body in the trash. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Those were some of the last words this little boy heard in his short life from the lips of a Puerto Rican woman who could barely speak English. This woman gave her one talent to God. And because of that, a little boy who never heard the word love in his own home experienced and responded to the love of Christ. I want to ask you today, what can you give? What is your cult? You and I each have something in our lives right now, which, if given back to God, could, like the cult, move Jesus and his message further down the road. I want you to understand, you are not here by accident. You are here by divine design. And if you will give Jesus your yes, you can, along with Jesus, fulfill a God mission that will turn around and bring about miracles in the middle of messes. The second thing I want us to note that's revealed in this passage is Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. There in Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5, we note, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Notice, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the prophet who spoke those words quoted by Matthew, was the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we see these words. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just a colt. The foal of the prophet Zechariah was uttered under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and delivered some hundred, some four hundred years before its fulfillment. Four hundred years before its fulfillment, Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would come entering into Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey. And four hundred years later, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. Now, one scholar J. Barton Payne has found as many as 574 verses or references in the Old Testament that point to or describe the coming Messiah. Alfred Edersheim found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah or his times. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. 
Why is that important, Pastor? Because the translation and application is this. The Lord always fulfills what He prophesies or promises He will do. So, how do I know that this same Jesus that I just read about is coming back? Because He fulfilled over 300 prophecies concerning His first coming when He first came. He did that to confirm. If I say I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm a promise keeper. I don't just give a word. I fulfill the word. And so I know the one that came, that came riding on a colt into Jerusalem, He's coming back on a white horse as prophesied in Revelations. And He's coming back and He's going to Come as King of kings and Lord of lords. And He will establish a new earth. And He will establish a new heaven. How do you know, Pastor? Because He's already proven that in Him all the promises of God are yes and amen. Can you tell I'm fired up? I got reason to be. I serve the promise keeper. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the... Don't get me going now. And the third thing I want you to notice is this. Jesus' disposition identified his mission. Jesus' disposition identified his mission. How did he come into Jerusalem? It tells us. There in Matthew 21, 5, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. How lowly. No, not low rider. Lowly. And sitting on a donkey. The spirit-filled life Bible word well states that the word lowly. It's from the Greek word praus. It contains the following meanings. A humility that is considerate, unassuming, gentle, mild. Meek. It goes on to reveal that the zealots of Jesus' day were looking for a warlike Messiah who would use force. Jesus showed a greater power than armed might. The power of humble wisdom and penetrating love. Meekness is not weakness, but power under perfect Control. Now, when the people cried out, Hosanna, they were crying out, save now. That's the meaning of Hosanna. Save now. As noted by J. Lyle's story, it was more than a cry of acclamation. Essentially, it was a plea for an oppressed people to their Savior for Deliverance. You see, Jesus came like Zechariah prophesied. But what, what the people were anticipating was that his entrance meant he was coming as their king to upend and overturn Roman rule. They were thinking, he's come. Just like he sent Moses to deliver us from the oppression of Pharaoh. Now our king has come to deliver us from the oppression of, our, of the Romans. 
And so they cried out in anticipation and expectation, Hosanna, save now. And when they cast the palm branches, you know who they would do that for traditionally in their history? It was their kings. They would cast palm branches in acknowledgement of their king, the one appointed, the one that was called to rule, the one that was called to lead them. And so when they cast their branches, their palm branches, and they're crying out, Hosanna, save now, they're believing this is it. He's going to turn things around for us. He's going to deliver us from Roman rule. But Jesus didn't come then as the king to deliver the oppressed people from the Romans. He came to deliver them from themselves. And he came to deliver us from our sins. Jesus, when he first came, he came because we, all of humanity, needed a savior. And he understood the only way I can save the people is if I go on a cross and die as their sinless substitute, give my life so that they can find freedom through my blood and body. Again, the word Hosanna literally means save. Save. The crowd shouted. I wonder if Jesus thought that's exactly what I'm here to do. How right you are. But how little you understand. Without knowing the details, the crowd was clearly articulating what Jesus came to do. To save. He said it during His earthly ministry. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save us from our sins. I want to conclude with two questions for you. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Look at what the crowd said. In Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. And when he had come into Jerusalem... All the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Who is Jesus? They said, He's the prophet of Nazareth from Galilee. They were part right, but not completely right. When they said he's the prophet, they were referencing back Moses' prophecy that a prophet greater than him would come. They were saying he's the mouthpiece for God. But what they didn't understand until later is what John would pen. He's more than God's mouthpiece. John would write in John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. I want to make it clear to you today, because some of us have a partial right answer, but not the complete 
answer. Jesus is more than rabbi. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a prophet like unto Muhammad. Jesus is more than a teacher and a prophet. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Deliverer. Jesus is Redeemer. Jesus is Healer. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Great Shepherd. Jesus is the True Vine. Jesus is the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Who is Jesus? He's more than a dead man raiser. He is the resurrection and the life. My second question. What is he worth to you? What is he worth to you? Now I've got a coat here. Can you guess what kind of coat it is? I'm helping you. Why you got your coat? Look at Matthew 21, 10 and 11. Or Matthew 21, rather, verse 8. It says, in Matthew 21, 8, it says, And a very great multitude spread their what? Clothes, literally coats or cloaks on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So here's Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And Heidi's illustrating. There's the gate coming in right there. He's coming in. And here he's coming on that colt. And before he comes their way, they're dropping branches and their coats along the way. I love what Matthew Rogers writes. He writes, when I consider the story Of the first Palm Sunday, I am struck by the thought that a coat might not be worth much after a donkey walks on it. In a crowd like that, there was no guarantee that once you laid it down, you were ever going to get it back. For some reason, he continues, the text leads me to believe those people probably weren't really interested in coats at that moment when Jesus rode by. No, these people, many of them were probably very poor, weren't as concerned about coats as they were about praise. Mm-hmm. He says, for the people on Palm Sunday, praising Jesus might have cost them something. That sounds a little bit like a sacrifice. The Bible speaks of a sacrifice of praise. And he concludes by noting, fitting, isn't it, for someone who saved our lives 
by sacrificing his own. They threw their coats knowing full well after I throw it down, it's going to be stepped on. After I throw it down, it might be messed on. You know what I mean. After I throw it down, I may never be able to recover it again. But that doesn't matter. Because to me, the one riding on the colt is worth a lot more than my coat. (laughs) I wonder today, is Jesus worth your possessions? Is Jesus worth you throwing down before him whatever he asks of you? Is Jesus worth you throwing down your pride and say, I don't care who's watching. I'm going to praise you, the one who deserves everything, because you gave your everything to deliver me, to rescue me, to save me, to free me, to bring to my life salvation, eternal life, and eternal hope. I want to ask you today, what is Jesus worth to you? Is He worth you throwing your sin before Him? Is He worth you throwing your shame before Him? Is He worth you throwing down your pride before Him? Is He worth you saying, Lord, whatever you ask me for, you're worth me casting it before you. Right now, I'll tell you straight up, I love coats. Just like you know I love shoes. But if Jesus was to tell me, give me your shoes. Give me your coat to enjoy myself. I wouldn't be here to enjoy my shoes. To wear my clothes that I wear. Without Jesus, I'm telling you, I know. I know me, B.C., before Christ. I'd be so broken. I'd be so battered. I'd be so messed up. Oh, but I cried out to him. The day I did, he didn't leave me in my mess. He performed a miracle in my heart. And now I am free. For you see, this is why I'll preach till the end. This is why I'll say, here I am, Jesus. If you want to ride me, ride me. I'll be a colt for you. I'll be a donkey for you. Why? Because like those two colts, that colt and donkey, that was my life. I was tied up. I was bound until Jesus came for me and said, You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. <laughs> Woo! And I've called you to join me on a co-mission. A mission in which if you will work in partnership with me, I will perform miracles in. So I'm asking you, what is Jesus worth? What's he worth to you? You ready? Say, here I am, Lord. Some of you would say, you know what, I would like to. I'm all tied up. I'm all bound. Jesus is ready 
to deliver you today. This is your day to be set free. And then will he be worth you saying, I see you more, as a, more than a prophet. I'll make you Lord of my life. Now lead me. Father, I thank you for speaking through your word to us today. And I thank you that today you're here right now by your Holy Spirit to invite people to partner with you. Just like you sent your disciples to retrieve that donkey and colt so that they could be utilized by you in fulfilling your mission. There are people here right now that you're calling to partner with you. You're just saying, give me your yes. Some of them are hesitant because, as I've said, some of them right now would say, but Jesus, I'm, I'm bound. I'm tied up. But Jesus, you're saying to them, I can loose you. I've come to deliver you. I will free you if you'll give me your yes. So I'm, before we move on, I'm going to invite you that would say, Pastor, Angel, honestly, I'm tied up right now. Bound. I want to be free, though. I do. Tired of being tied to this thing that's holding me back, holding me hostage. I want to be free. I really do. Listen, I know what that feeling like to be bound and yet aching in your soul to be freed. But Jesus can free you. I can testify to that. He can free you from any hurt, from any habit, any hang-up that's been tying you up. All you got to do is give Him your yes. If that's you, I want you to come right now to this altar. Just make your way. You say, but what are people going to think? Who cares? We're talking about your freedom talking about your deliverance there came a day when I had to tell myself I don't care what anybody thinks I'm tired of this I want to be free that's who you come right now this is your moment there's freedom in this house there's freedom in this house that's it there's freedom in this house Jesus untie me Jesus free me up here right now. Come and agree. Come and agree. Come and agree. Exercise the keys of the kingdom right now. And begin to pray over these right now. 
Utilize the authority in the name of Jesus. I believe in the power of the name of Jesus to deliver, to free. That's it. Come on, prayer warriors. I'm telling you, this is a delivering day. This is delivery day. Jesus delivers. Jesus sets the captive free. Jesus tears asunder the entanglements that have bound us. Jesus. And in this atmosphere of prayer, there's others of you that Jesus right now, He's going to show you, son, daughter, if I'm worth it, this is what I want you to throw down before me. This is what I want you to throw down. If I'm worth it, throw it down before me. For some of us, Jesus is saying, throw down that anger that you've been holding on to. Throw down that unforgiveness. Throw it down before me. Throw down that shame. Throw down that blame. Throw it down. Throw it down. I'm going to invite you. If you know right now, there's something in you that Jesus is saying... I want you to throw it down. You say, I'm worth it, throw it down. Because once you throw it down, you will experience the freedom, the joy, not only in your soul of knowing deliverance from what you've released to me, but also you'll know the joy of partnering with me in advancing my mission. Some of you are ready. You're ready. Jesus, I'll give you my yes. Jesus, I'm willing to be like that colt. I'm willing to be a mode of transportation that you can use to advance your mission in the earth. That's you. You come as well. And just let Jesus touch you. As our PW crew begins to sing this song, I want you just to press in. There's a move of God right now at this altar. And you want it, you come. Come.